0: The NFL's first crack at creating make-good opportunities for sponsors of its teams was met with disappointment. Our NFL writer Ben Fisher and sponsorship guru Terry Lefton have that story this week, and we've got both in to talk about it. Then I'll have Terry guru us up some more with his story on how team logo face coverings, that's face masks, have taken some of the sting out of what has otherwise been a brutal six months for licensed products. That and whatever else comes up once we get talking here in the far-flung work-from-home newsroom of Sports Business Journal. I'm Bill King, and this is First Look. When the NFL decreed that the first eight or so rows of seats in each stadium would be blocked off, ostensibly to separate fans from players to reduce the risk of COVID exposure, it also created an opportunity. The teams could tarp those seats with sponsor logos, creating TV exposure for sponsors who were losing out otherwise. Well, the early reviews of that are out, and they're not particularly promising. Our NFL writer, Ben Fisher, is here to talk about that. Ben, you and Terry Lefton and some of our other staffers watched closely to see which sponsors had their logos in those locations. You didn't clock exposure time, but it became apparent rather quickly that it wasn't going to be what sponsors were hoping for, right? Right. I think the more sophisticated people in this world who have
1: technology to actually measure this rather than just a general sense of what they saw during the games, the the data mostly matched up with our first impressions, that um, it wasn't a total lost cause. There were some uh, spots in those seat covers that, that got reasonably good exposure on TV, but... Collectively, as a group, they were, um, you know, underwhelming. To to quote one of the men quoted in our story, they generally delivered less on camera time than anticipated, uh, for some reasons that, in hindsight, maybe should have been self evident, but weren't really until we actually got into the uh, got into the games. And that, uh, you know, without changes to the program or to something about this, this is generally not going to meet the needs of the sponsors who agree to take those instead of their in-person
0: impressions. So the sponsors who bought these, I suspect, were, were going into this with some fairly high hopes, right? And some anticipation that this would be some really good exposure. I mean, you would think it's close to the field. I'll get some TV time. Was that what they were expecting?
1: Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, I think the the sense is that um, the first few rows of an NFL crowd is generally on camera fairly regularly. Um, and, and and before I get into that, I want to correct your terminology, which I was corrected about 16,000 times on this week as we were reporting this out. These were generally not bought and sold. These were, you know, make goods. They were make goods. Right, right. I think those are synonymous for the purpose of this conversation. Let's say that buying and make goods are, are, but anyway, that's an important point that a lot of people made that this is not new money. It's making up value. That's already in contract. Anyway, sorry, just to be a little pedantic, just because that I was corrected like 10 times this week and I get it. But anyway,
0: Believe me, the sponsors feel like they spent money. Well, that's my point.
1: Like, we're still talking value, whether new cash changed hands or not. This is value ascribed to an asset. And the consensus this week was that, you know, to varying degrees, that value wasn't actually met, at least in the first week. Um, But I I think, anyway, to get to your point, I think the big miscalculation here was that games would be shot by the networks in fundamentally the same way they've always been shot. Um, One agency we spoke to um, anonymously. Uh, For understandable reasons, they didn't want to identify the details here, but they had run an assessment of the value of these uh, seat covers based off of prior year broadcast. And they were looking at they, they believed that they would if you sold for, you know, low to mid. Um, six figures, you'd get a four to five X return on investment in terms of media exposure value. Preliminary results after the first week of games, they only did a couple of games. So this could change, but they saw more like a two to one RX. So uh, ROI. So we're looking about half as much actual exposure as people had thought. And again, maybe this should have been evident, but the, the camera guys, Absent some edict from above that they need to show these tarps are going to show less of the stand because nobody's in them. We we spoke to a few people from the broadcast world that said, you know, we are trying to avoid showing empty stands if at all possible. That's bad TV. So like one example, during opening night, Sunday night football last week, normally NBC would run like graphics and stats packages over Shots of the crowd, but there was nobody there. So they put cameras outside of the brand new SoFi Stadium and used that as the backdrop. Beautiful stadium, by the way, but not what the people whose names were on those tarps in the first eight rows of the stadium were paying for. So that, I mean, there's other details here. The tarps don't especially stand out. The NFL maybe, um, at least in the eyes of the sponsors, was a little too conservative by half in an in, in order that they could only be logos, no calls to actions or campaign taglines. They were monochrome. They were a team color plus white. Um, so they just didn't pop. Even when you got to look at them on camera, there was sometimes a glare issue. So there's a lot of little things that adds up to the fact that, you know, I did speak to a couple of people who were, were satisfied with these, but the consensus seemed to be that this this wasn't working out as well as hoped.
0: You know, it's it's interesting because what I was sort of expecting, and I I don't know, you tell me whether you were as well, You when you watched EPL games where they did that, or if you watched the um, NHL arenas um, in the bubble, again, those weren't sponsor logos, but the, that was really visible position. Um, and so you expected sort of the same thing. The big difference with the EPL, of course, was that they had a, an entirely empty stadium. I wonder if one of the problems the NFL faces here is going to be difficult to overcome. And that's that they don't have this standing policy that says we're not going to sell tickets. And as a result, teams seem to want to kind of split the baby, right? So, OK, we're going to sell some tickets, um, but we're going to have to, you know, intersperse them. And so we're only going to block off these first few rows and i'm not sure how you could de- deliver much sponsor value there you'd have to look the only way this gets fixed in terms of delivering visibility i think because i don't think you can re you know recast the way you look at a broadcast um and pan to a bunch of empty seats to just to show a sponsor logo that would be awful television nobody would want that and so what you come back to is is can you take entire sections and put larger logos that have some, not just some horizontal, but some vertical to them as well. And then people would be able to see them. But is that what, is that what the league wants? And is that what the individual teams want as they seem to be looking to sell some seats or, or not sell some seats? Again, let's make the distinction. Those seats are certainly sold, make goods.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting point. I I, I don't know that even in best case scenario, ticket sales would get to be to such a high point that you couldn't, add another 12 rows to those seat tarp covers to make them bigger. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's, I think it's more the NFL is just, it's their traditional conservatism, both that they really do want to protect the, I mean, they want to, they want to, you know, keep the field and the camera shots relatively low commercial, not because they're necessarily some high minded ideal here, but the NFL always wants somewhere else to go. They don't want to ever overplay their hand. They'd rather, they'd rather get this, um, Get this wrong to the conservative side, and get this wrong to the uh, over-the-top commercialized side. So I think that more that 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 general philosophy more than teams trying to reserve more seats to sell is the main thing. Because even best case scenario, teams are probably talking fifty percent capacity here, and that's assuming COVID case counts continue to go down.
0: I wonder whether the calculus for the league changes at all when they start to have conversation with league sponsors, because in fact most of those. Sponsors in, in those individual markets, or at least many, and I, and I do think it was most, you you have the data that you're looking at it, I'm not. It seemed to me that most of those sponsors that took a lot of those tarps are also league sponsors, right?
1: Um, not most. I, I, I didn't exactly run the math on this, but I think that the majority of them were in fact local sponsors. Um, you know, I think the biggest buyers of the tarps across the league were teams that uh, were, were national sponsors, were league sponsors that also activated at the team level. Gatorade and Verizon and uh, Ford are examples
0: of right. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, but I, overall, though, I mean, those were the those were the brands that bought the most tarps. But I'd say of all 195 tarps, I believe it was, the majority were local partners. But but I think you you're not wrong to raise that issue because I think that's the people who would have the most ability to actually shift NFL policy on this would be the national partners because they've got contacts in the league office and you know they're the ones that don't quite deal with this sort of basic transactional divide that might be behind some of this dissatisfaction here is that the single biggest variable on the value of these tarp sponsorship is the behavior of the director and the camera operators for the broadcasters. The broadcasters have a relationship with the league, not the teams, but the teams are the ones that are selling these tarps. So that's sort of just, you know, basic fact that uh, the variables don't quite align with the actual parties to these deals would would, would maybe behind this disconnect in expectations on camera time. So I think, you know, your Gatorades, your Fords, your rocket mortgages, um, your visas were, were some of the partners that are both sponsors, the national and team level. Those probably have the most direct line to actually forcing some move on this.
0: Did you get a sense that the teams after seeing it have any idea that there might be some place for them to go? Is there a way they can change their execution? I mean, obviously they have to have, a, have conversations with, with sponsors about what these are really worth. And that's a make good conversation anyway, right? So that's outside the contract. We have to sit down and decide, okay, you're giving me this instead. I accept that. Wait a minute. It's not what we thought it was going to be. We got Now we've got to make good on the make good. That's the conversation everybody's going to have. I would think if you're a team, you'd like to find a way to maybe nudge that value forward. Have you heard anything, any potential that they've seen for doing that? Now that they've had a chance again, they didn't have a ton of time to 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 plan this, to order them, to get them in place, and they didn't see what they would look like in in on you know on the on a network screen. Now they have. Is there any place to go with it?
1: Well, I I think the frustrating thing is that most of the easiest fixes to this problem really are league and broadcast rights holders' changes in practices or policies. Having said that, I think some of the things the teams might do, I mean, for now is just to try to buy some time. I mean, the team's talking point is going to be if you didn't love it now, then, you know, remember you bought this on a season long value basis and maybe things will change. And, you know, maybe if we start to get more fans in the crowd, there'll be a little bit less uh, prejudice against crowd shots. You know, I think that was one thing, Kansas City um, opening night, NBC was less reluctant to, uh, to, to show the crowds because there were people there. And I think that, you know, this is not a database um, assessment. I'd have to check real numbers, but I think the tarps. In Kansas City, did better than elsewhere because there was less of an aggressive avoidance of the empty seats because there were people there. Uh, but anyway, to answer your question, you know, I think the most likely path here might be that teams could use those tarps as backdrops to more of their owned and operated media shots. You know, maybe on-camera reporters at Ravens.com and um, you know the Cowboys' social feeds just. Do more interviews with those tarps in the background? I mean, I don't know if that comes anywhere near broadcast impressions, but that's the one thing they've got direct control over. That is their property. They can try to do a lot more recording and, and, and uh, just get more impressions driven that way. But, you know, I think that's probably marginal compared to what the broadcasters
0: could do. I, there's, no, there's no question it's marginal, marginal compared to, to what, they were, what they were hoping for and what they feel like they were sold. I mean, that's the other point of this. And that's going to vary by team. Might even vary by someone within the team, within each team, right? What was the conversation when you sold this as a make good? That's a big part of it. What was the expectation? And it, it sounded, you know, from reading your story, it sounds like maybe that was part of the rub is that people did have a high expectation, right? You had the anecdote of one sponsor who actually sat there watching the game. And never saw the logo throughout the entirety of, the sh- of of the broadcast, right?
1: Yeah, that's real. I mean, I I, I assigned myself four games through my Sunday ticket and my um, unfortunate natural regional broadcast I'm subjected to here in New York. So I was watching four different games in the one o'clock window.
0: Easy there now, well, now easy on the Jets. All right. I mean, all I wanted <laughs> was them to be competitive. They were down twenty
1: before it was even halftime. Like, yeah, I turned it off. <laughs> You know, I don't care if they win or lose. Thank God my fantasy team had a good day. I was able to flip over and find something else. I was just trying to write down all the names of the tarps I saw in those one o'clock windows. And seriously, it was the final seconds of the game in Baltimore and... New England before I decisively could tell what the tarps was and what the tarp said on the camera side. So yeah, there are some of these that literally weren't shown and the expectations game is obviously everything here. And one of the little wrinkles that really didn't make it into the story that I thought was also interesting was that, that people were telling me most teams sold these things at like basically three tiers or maybe even two tiers end zones, opposite main camera angle and on camera angle. Uh, But in reality, the value generated by these tarps varies greatly among across the 16 different locations teams were able to sell which is something that also i don't think was generally reflected in this abbreviated sales cycle this summer that you know the value generated by one tarp might be a lot different and the value generated by the tarp right next to it, based on the exact pitch of the of the lower seating bowls, where the stadium cameras bays are, uh, you know, just how many replay reviews there are in a given game. If if the camera that the uh, if the if the officials are gathering in front of a sign, that's big time impressions. So I think in general, expectations were both maybe a little overstated and also maybe a little unsophisticated as far as the exact playing out of how these tarps work on the camera angles here. And, you know, I don't mean to say that as like some grand failure. This was, you know, this is the pandemic. Let's not forget that, that, you know. Oh, there's no question. You know, people are going by the seat of their pants here. And none of this is to suggest that anybody failed. This is experimental by nature. And to be clear, the teams in the leagues never made any firm guarantees of camera time like they do on some some on-camera signage in, in, in the NBA, for instance. So. You know, not to be overly judgmental about this. Just
0: clearly, there's some misalignment
1: between expectations and reality through one week.
0: Hey, look at it this way, right? We can't really talk about you know uh, uh, about season ticket sales anymore. We can't really. There's a ton of things we can't talk about, right? So, so this is what this is what we're down to in the COVID era. Did your did did your seat cover get on TV?
1: Yeah, basically. And I, I mean, it's an interesting conversation because you get into all these real subtleties about the look and feel of the NFL games. And I know you and I talked just a few days ago about how the games look mostly normal. Um, it does, but it turns out if you've got a few hundred thousand dollars riding on the second row being shot in an NFL game, turns out it was a lot
0: different. By the way, an, another one that, that uh, much as you can predict uh, what camera exposure time might be, uh, if you're in that end zone and it's uh, and it's a low scoring game or or uh, or, or or no field goals because field goals have to be great exposure for for those guys. that's true. think think about those field goal nets in college football and the tremendous exposure that they deliver. And then you have to
1: wonder about the negative exposure because I got a great look at a Bridgestone and a Gatorade logo in Cincinnati, I think it was when Randy Bullock missed a 31 yard kick that would have tied the game as time ran out in Cincinnati. so I mean, That's the other problem with (laughs)
0: global exposure, right? (laughs) <laughs> I guess it all depends on where your heart lies in that, on the in, <laughs> and where you sit. All right, so so speaking of where you sit, has that for an awkward transition, but it works. You are going to start to see more fans sitting in NFL stadiums, right? I mean, there are the it look it looks like more teams moving in that direction. What's where does that stand? Uh, and uh, both oh by the way, a backdrop to that, of course, there was a COVID case reported out of that Kansas City game. We'll see how that goes from here. Teams are starting to to, to get some momentum behind reopening and selling some seats, or not selling, but filling some seats. Again, they're sold.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, Yes, we definitely want to
1: circle back to the Chiefs situation with the one COVID case, but there is some sense of momentum toward more butts in seats across the NFL. Um, Last night, the Browns' home opener had, I think, about 6,000 fans in Cleveland, um, the Bengals on the cross on the other side of the state are getting similar variances from rules that generally restrict crowds in Ohio for a couple of upcoming home games. Tennessee Titans have announced that after initially getting a no-go for home openers, they're going to allow to have uh, 7,000 fans on October 4th. Um, and you know, elsewhere there's continued good signs that maybe we're getting toward, um, some fans and more fans and seats in places, either, either raising the limits or opening up some seats to new people. I think the Colts got approval to go up from 2,500 in their opener to maybe 7,000. I don't hold me to that exactly, but there is some progress on that front. Um, so that's good news. And that tracks with some of my predictions I had made that, you know, Every time one team gets approval, that makes all the others that much easier because no one in politics really wants to be an outlier if something goes wrong. And also, generally speaking, across the country, with some alarming exceptions in College Town, the COVID case counts continue to to decline, which also gives further political cover for the people who make these decisions. So that's encouraging. Still should have low expectations in terms of the overall percentage of NFL tickets sold this year. Still, you know, best. It still seems hard to imagine anyone getting more than 50 percent. And even that seems high right now. So just getting off the floor from zero to five thousand or whatever is would be a big goal in a lot of teams. And that, that seems to be like a pretty reasonable expectation at some point in the next month or two. in, in most markets, I think there's only a, a handful of NFL cities where it's absolutely out of the question for the entire season. But things could change on a dime, as we saw yesterday when the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Public Health Department announced that there was a confirmed positive COVID case from somebody who had been at the kickoff game last Thursday. I've said it a million times, the problem isn't that one count case. If that's the only thing it is, this will be quickly forgotten. But there's 10 other people who are in quarantine because they were close to those people at the games. And this is crunch time, really, for the entire NFL experiment in in pandemic seasons. If it's just this one case, it will be forgotten in no time. If there's more of an outbreak there, then this trend toward more butts and seats is going to reverse itself immediately. So this is where all of the league's protocols and the public health department's protocols kick in and it's high stakes. So we'll see what happens in Kansas City. If that's the only case, then we'll be fine, but if you start here and then another half dozen tested positive from the experience of that
0: game, et cetera, et cetera, you got a big problem. What's up in that, on that front in, uh, in, in the state of Texas?
1: Well, the Cowboys have been a little coy. Um, they have still not officially disclosed what their capacity limit is. Texas law says 50% right now, but I don't think anyone thinks that's a particularly good idea, even though that is the regulation.
0: No, certainly the Speedway did not take them up on that when they when they had a NASCAR race that they kept it they kept that. Now it was a it was in brutal uh, brutal summer heat and uh, and so they would have had a hard time convincing people to come out anyway. But they were they had all intention of keeping it well below that, even though the state had said they could go higher. Yeah, yeah, and I mean when Jerry Jones is told that the law says he can sell half
1: of his seats and he's only going to sell maybe a quarter of his seats, you know he must be getting some pretty compelling. Uh, advice against doing that because <laughs> it's hard to imagine Jerry ever leaving money on the table if the if the governor says he can take up to fifty percent he's taking less than that. Um, but you know, caution for that same reason for the same reason I just pointed out in the Kansas City thing, caution is certainly appropriate here. The last thing you want to do is be be a little too aggressive on this front. Um, but the Cowboys will definitely have people in the stadium. They have not said exactly how many, although interestingly this week, Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the team said it'd be about 25%, which would be about 20,000 people for a standard 80,000 capacity football game. But but the Cowboys spokesman told me that was not an official announcement. They have made no official announcements and the coach must be referring to some speculative reports he's read somewhere. Or some conversations he's had. Well, right. So, I mean, Okay. So that wasn't an official announcement, but I don't think the coach is uh, misinformed on that either. Um, so, so it's going to be interesting to see what Dallas looks like for the home opener. I know the suites are generally going to be filled. I know in, uh, in Dallas, the, um, Suite holders can have all of the seats that are sold in suites available for capacity, but there are no standing room only suite tickets being sold. And that's how they're handling social distance in in the premium seats there in Dallas, which is an
0: interesting topic that hasn't really been broached
1: much, actually, as part of this conversation.
0: Yeah, that is going to be fascinating because now do you say, look, that's your real estate. It's up to you. Um, and, uh, we will, we will put our controls in place outside of it. But, uh, once you get in there, it's, uh, you're on your own, you're in your own living room, you're having friends over. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure how that'll play out, but it's certainly a conversation that'll, that'll be had. Ben Fisher, our NFL writer. Thanks so much. Sure thing, Bill. Anytime. First Look is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're a fan of our podcast, subscribe on your mobile device to have First Look delivered right to your phone every Monday morning. Well, as I mentioned uh, in that last conversation with our NFL writer, Ben Fisher, our sponsorship guru, Terry Lefton, was uh, very much involved and engaged in watching all those logos on the first NFL Sunday on his screen there back in his home after a much needed stay uh, over on the beach, by the way, where, where Terry is is back in his home digs, uh, was watching NFL games and keeping an eye out for sponsor logos. And we're going to talk about all that in a moment. But before we get to that, I, I I have a question for you, my friend. Is it pronounced balaclavas?
2: Balaclava, I believe it is. Balaclava. I, I, I can't even get a straight it's on whether you spell gator with a T or T H or whether it's Gator or Gather So I may have to figure that out before the week's out.
0: Well well for those who have never heard of a, a Baklava ba, bakla, well, I love Baklava, but that's another that's oh, another subject.
2: Say, isn't that a pastry? Isn't that a pastry?
0: <laughs> I just wanna say baklava, that's all. One day we'll figure out exactly how it's pronounced and and whether it's gator or gaither. Um, But uh, if you're not familiar with either of those terms, we're talking about masks, aka face coverings. If if you've browsed the online retail space, you will find that they are available in abundance, uh, not only in lots of colors, but with lots of logos on them, right? And that has been a rare glimmer of positive news for the licensing industry, correct?
2: Absolutely, Bill. I did some almost real-time research this morning just before this call, and I can now tell you that fanatics.com, as of this call, is selling more than 2,200 different types and designs of licensed base coverings. That might give you some idea. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, sports licensing is an industry that the pandemic, or as the members of the redundancy society like to call it, the global pandemic, has just <laughs> devastated. Uh, most of the retail for sports licensing products was shuttered for months. Of course, there were no live sports on TV. You had the recession and its impact, and an unemployment rate that is now down to 8-plus percent, and that means less money for non-essentials, if you consider sports license good non-essential, of course.
0: It's interesting because, you know, the, the with the online market being what it is, um, you might be a little surprised. That's why when people talk about will fans come back, it's not only a question of safety, it's 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 a question of disposable income, right? And I want to talk more, much more about masks and face coverings. But since you went down that question of demand uh, for a moment, because retail sales, I mean, most of this was online already anyway, right? Was it just not the call to action of having my game that I go to? Or was it that the team stores are closed or Macy's is closed? What was it? They think
2: i i think it was a general economic malaise uh general lessened economic demand uh people out of work and let's face it when sports aren't playing there's just not as much demand and it uh, the pandemic also exacerbated a lot of trends that were out there already in retail and apparel this company's been over retail particularly in the apparel space for quite a few years Sports specialty retailers, which are our key distribution place for licensed products. Those those have been going out of business even big change for quite a while. Now you've seen uh, chains, uh, you know, just mainstream apparel chains start to go out uh, or declare uh, bankruptcy prote- protection like uh, Brooks Brothers or JCPenney. Uh, it, it's just not it, it's just not a good time for retail, especially apparel retail in general and apparel is a big portion of a sports license, of course, uh, the demand isn't there. And um, this, getting back to face coverings, it's really something that has been a bridge for them over, over some couple times. I mean, these guys were, wor- were hurt worse than probably anybody. I'm not saying, you know, it's a bigger business uh, than airlines and leisure combined, but they, I think they got hurt uh, even more. Even before the leaks license face coverings, and they were a little reluctant to do so, many of these licensing companies were into the mask and PPE business because there was a clear and desperate need. And if there is a process that manufacturers of licensed products know how to execute, it's getting goods manufactured inexpensively in China and getting them into this market. Uh, demand was so huge for face coverings that they were being shipped by air in some cases rather than by sea, even charter flights in some cases. Um, so... Uh, even before the lakes kind of came to terms with licensing these things. And I think it was mid to late April. Most of the deals now have some sort of charity tithe onto it. So, you know, a small percentage of each one goes to charity, made them feel better. But now the demand is so great that, that some people aren't, aren't even able to meet the demand and, that's why we have
0: masks on the cover. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, initially the you know th- this this industry that is so good at hot market, right? I mean, you think about it; they crank out in a matter of hours. In some cases, it used to be um, back before the, the 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 manner of producing merchandise changed, but uh, they managed to get championship stuff in the hands of people like on the spot uh, in ballparks and stadiums for years. Um, different you know, certainly a, a, a different process than we're talking about here. But, e, you know, the, with the demand, even those couldn't be flipped right away, right? It took a while? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, they were pretty good at this. They were they were, they were pretty quick on
2: face coverings, unlicensed, and then eventually licensed right, a, right away, because that's just something that licensing companies do. You mentioned hot market, and that'll be interesting, because I don't think anybody knows, I know nobody knows, what a hot championship market looks like during a pandemic. And so everyone's wondering, but I will tell you and everyone told me they'd already gotten designs approved for championship masks, of course. So you, you will see those soon. We'll see that they may they may be more of those than there are championship caps. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I think, you know, there's some fundamental reasons why face coverings are doing so well. Clearly, the demand is there, Bill, and it's universal. Foco founder Michael Lewis told me he's, his best estimate is five to six billion masks of every type will be sold this year. His take of that, he's manufacturing 350,000 daily. Wow. Okay. They're easy and relatively cheap to manufacture and ship. Some of the other manufacturers like Vertical Athletic or or Windcraft took advantage of the fact they have domestic manufacturing so they can move the stuff quickly. Michael's is very good at the Asian manufacturing and and jumping on trends. they're, They're a great new way for fans to express themselves. And unlike most licensed sports products, they are serving an actual consumer need, not just an emotional
0: need. And that's exactly it. I mean, if you're going to wear one anyway, you might as well mask up with your favorite team.
2: Absolutely. And you can get disposable ones or, you know, semi-permanent ones if you choose. You know, I think at this point, it's gotten well into the licensing phenomenon status uh, achieved earlier by things like, I don't know, the the Lance Armstrong uh, bands, spinner toys from a few years ago, bobbleheads, Crocs. So two questions I will always ask when there's a licensing phenomenon: How bad is the counterfeiting problem? Well, if you look online, you can see it's pretty bad, and it was it was worse before they licensed, which may have also been a reason why yeah. started licensing. Yeah. But you can find a lot of, you can find a lot of. I mean, look, they're, they're easy to manufacture, um, they're cheap to ship, so it kind of is, is the right product at the right time. Anyway, the other question I will always ask is how long does this phenomenon last? Clearly, it doesn't last at this level. We won't know the real answer until we know when the pandemic is easing. But uh, then people in this business are, of course, asking, well, does it last? Does it become a staple item? Because obviously, masks for people that are sick have been acceptable to wear in Asian cultures for some time. And people are starting to say, hmm, I think it could last here. We'll see.
0: So you've got your mask. I've got my mask. I think you've got your masks. Um, I was not aware that there, was, uh, that there were things that go with those masks that I also might want to fit into my, my favorite team culture.
2: I would look for more of those. Uh, other than knockoffs, when a licensed product category is burning this brightly, you start to see associated products and accessories. And I have seen some licensed mask lanyards. Another licensee called uh, Fan Creations out of Georgia recently started selling a mask holder which is really just a sign with a team logo on it along with some hooks upon which to hang your masks. What could come next? Mask bags, mask coasters? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's limited only by the imagination. But if you really want one of those mask hooks, it's around $25 on Fanatics,
0: Bill. You know, it's kind of interesting to think back that there was initially some question over this was a, an appropriate direction, right? Some of the leagues and teams had some concerns.
2: Absolutely. They, 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 it was more PR play then. I mean, they're were they, were, they were worried about taking advantage of it, being seen as taking advantage of it. Well, you know, last I checked, uh, these were these were for profit organizations and they're operating in a capitalist society. So uh, as soon as they figured out, all right, we'll, we'll tie it to a charity and then they they, they go all over the place um, and then we'll look better. I mean, look, it's 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 a minimal amount out of an item that might cost somewhere 20 20, 25 bucks, and often that's that's in a multi-pack. But uh, after, I think Foco in particular pushed hard against the leagues for them to do it, and then they finally figured, uh, you know, it, it was okay. And now, you know, you see them everywhere. They're sold across various forms of retail. And as I said, the, the need is universal. The availability is about the same. So it's working out pretty well. And yet, no, not every company is making them, but there are a lot of companies that, you know, It allowed them to hire back a significant portion of their uh, workforce. And in some cases, like FOCO, like Vertical Athletic, it's going to make for by far their best year ever. Michael Lewis at FOCO told me he's going to sell pretty close, maybe over, but pretty close to $100 million worth of masks. And now remember, that's a lot of money, but it's also a category that was at nothing until March or April. You're really talking about $100 million worth of product from April on that's pretty impressive.
0: So, how does that compare to other categories?
2: Well, he says that's going to be around forty-five or fifty percent of everything he makes. And he makes uh, it's some some apparel, some shots, some bags, some shoes. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to it's not going to rival you know the, the top of the food chain in, in sports licensed apparel, which is you know on field jerseys. Right. But uh, you know, if no one's playing, I don't know if you have a lot of demand generated for things that are on the field. And that's the other thing I forgot to mention in this. Um, Not only did some people get, some companies get rights for these, they got on-field rights for these, which means they're getting the TV exposure, which is really valuable.
0: All right, Terry. Really good stuff on the masks. I also want to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, we had Ben Fisher on earlier in the in, in the podcast uh, to talk about the project that you guys worked on, looking at sponsor logos and their placement and whether they got any exposure. I imagine you t- spoke to some brands about it, and uh, what were you hearing from them? And were you even surprised watching the games? That just, I mean, how well, first hard? Of all, well,
2: Ben and I and some others, we were tasked with sitting there with our clipboards and trying to write down the ad, ad logos that were in the end zone or. On the sidelines, pretty close to the field, and it was about next to impossible to see most of them. And so I didn't think that the sponsors were getting much money. Uh, every, at, at best, people would tell me, you know, they were underwhelmed. You know, the team guys tried tried to spin it, you know, the other way because most of these, if not all of them, were make goods to sponsors. Right. Uh, I I had a hard time seeing them. I did not think they they. Offered any value whatsoever, um, the league had a lot bigger problems and they were administering it. They said, "Here's some new inventory. You can do, you can do." So I'm not going to hold them too much to task on this. On the other hand, it was an abortion. If you don't incent the broadcasters to show these, they're not going to show them. Guess what? They didn't show them. So uh, I don't know. If if I'm if I'm an advertiser, even if this is just offered to me as a make good, I'm saying it's not worth anything. You better find something else or find a way to get these shown. It's I, I, I need to make good on my makeup. It's
0: exact, And that is the that is absolutely the conversation that's going on everywhere this week, right? That's There's no question about that. If I had one of those, I'm going back and saying, look, I get it. You didn't know. Now we know. Um, and so if this oh, is going to continue well, this way.
2: As I said, look, the league had a lot more on its mind. But excuse me, you didn't know that if you didn't incent your rights holders to show them, they wouldn't show it? The
0: NFL is is not naive, Bill. No, I'm not. No, I I, exactly. No, I'm not. But but there are two ways to do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can find a way to 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 make it in the best interest of the network to show them. Um, But beyond that, you can create something that's a little more visible. I and I think that honestly is where this may have fallen a little bit short. If you thought, if you think about what other empty arenas have looked like in terms of those that seating you think about the NHL which is not using it for sponsors they've got dasher boards so they don't need to right they've already already got that existing inventory so they didn't need to create something but they certainly had they wanted to could have had massive exposure where they've got those logos around the lower bowl you think about watching those watching EPL games um, you know right. at, the, at the end of last year the, the, those the video were board. but no not just the video boards but the the you know they tarped seats but they tarped sections from bottom to top mm-hmm. of the lower bowl. And when you did that, you got a massive Hyundai logo that is, think about it, if you if you took the lower bowl of an NFL stadium and went from bottom to top with a Chevy logo, what's the exposure of that? I mean, all game. It's it's enormous. Uh, but then you're uh, not going to be able uh, to sell uh, any uh, tickets.
2: Yeah. Again, though, Bill, this was not high on the NFL's priority right. list. But it also showed that it wasn't high on the NFL's priority list. Um, So this was a year where you could experiment and you had license to do so. Oh, it's only this year. This isn't going to go. Of course it won't stick around. And then, you know, what what works would stick around. For example, um, they did have some signage on the perimeter of the field, but they used it for kickoff signage and they used it for social justice. Those were very visible. I thought they would be good for advertisers. I've been surprised for years that the NFL hasn't done between the goalposts, ala um, Allstate, but and that could be yeah. virtual or actual. Well, let's try that out, you know. Let's let. Well, why, why not? Now they didn't have a lot of time, but to me, just an experiment with one of those things would have been a lot better um, than what's out there, which just it's it, it's forgettable. Now, I abandoned uh, some other people at SBJ, we we were tasked with trying to write those down. I was up against the TV, and I couldn't see them. Um, so I, it's it's forgettable. I, 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 if, if I'm a sponsor, I'm, I, I'm demanding something else. Uh, and again, it's, it's it's not a make good, because you're not making good on anything. Right. There's zero visibility.
0: Well, there's a lot of digital stuff out there, but I would imagine there will also be a stampede to that digital stuff now, right? I mean, that's... Right, but, that,
2: but that's not in game. So uh, again, could you have done a an electronic insertion um, between the goalposts and then just said... Hey, we're just experimenting. It's a it's a different kind of year. I don't know if we're going to get to that this season. But as I said, I've been surprised that the NFL hasn't hasn't gone there yet, because obviously it would be a big ring for them.
0: Yeah, and the nets work. I mean, that's the thing is you you know it from college football. One of the most visible, really one of the most visible, I think, branding plays that there's been in sports is those nets. Um, you sure. you you can't miss sure. them. You can't absolutely.
2: Them. So I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was way down their list of priorities, but I also think that it showed it was way down their list of priorities. So if you get some of the club guys to talk offline, they'll tell you it was a waste of time.
0: And that's the other thing is it's not going to change for another week, right? Because you got to cycle through everybody getting a home game before the NFL can reconsider its policies. Look,
2: And I don't want to minimize uh, the importance of make goods because I think everyone at a, at, a, at a team sports property will be in make good hell for the next two seasons. That's right. So – anyone anyone okay this could be made okay okay it's fine but it's got to work and that just didn't work Interesting. the other thing to consider is you're going from in this is a league where supposedly uh camera visible signage, except on the sideline which is of course some of the biggest deals is verboten now of course the reality there is that depends on which owner you are because you know for example tell me the at&t logo at the top of uh, uh jerry world isn't visible it's pretty visible to me and they show that a lot
0: That's exactly right. All right, great stuff from our sponsorship guru, Terry Lefton. Go mask up. Thank you, Bill. See you, man. That's going to do it for this week. For Ben Fisher, Terry Lefton, and our producer, Chris Mason, I'm Bill King, and this has been First Look.